Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Another fabulous day in paradise. I'm Dr. Pat. Um, I am the host of the Dr. Pat Show. I'm also the host of Lime Talk Radio, as well as our new show we've started at noon, Power Up with Dr. Pat. Uh, Today, look, what we're going to be doing today is hopefully Dr. Carla Marie Manley will be joining us here today because we want to talk with her, uh, the author of a fabulous, fabulous book, which many of us, you think about it, you know about the topic, right? You know what I'm going to talk about. Her book is called Joy from Fear. Create the life of your dreams by making fear your friend. And the reason that that's important to really think about is because if we don't do that, then what do we do? Do we make fear our enemy? Do we focus on it from a place of emotional disconnect or do we put a complete physical, mental, spiritual aspect of who we are into every day of our lives and we live in this one simple word, fear? Dr. Carla Marie Manley, a psychologist, author, advocate based in California, and is passionate about helping others create the lives of their dreams. But you know what? She has seen something that many of us have seen. You know, whether she is talking with folks and helping them in relationships, work, sexuality, communication, whether it's healing stress, anxiety, depression, one of the things she does that many of us look at and do in different ways is to offer insight even in the most challenging topics. And if you know one thing today, one of the things you do know is you've heard me talk about it, is we are right now living in a major dose of anxiety and fear. We're doing it. That's what we're doing. Now, why is is it Um, that we're doing that. Well, you know, there are different people that have different ideas about it, but I want to tell you a little bit about something that uh, right out of the gate, Dr. Manley says, you know, right out of the gate. The question is whether or not we know that fear makes a better friend than enemy. Think about this. Think about this, right? Why fear makes a much better friend than an enemy? Okay, two things I want you to think about is how would it feel 
How would it feel if you could take your preconceived notions, as Dr. Manley says, take those of fear along with any other kind of angst you might have, better known as anxiety, all of the reasons for it, if we could take them all and put them in a giant, giant bundle and then take that bundle and throw them out the door, can you even imagine what is left in that space, that void? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today from her, you know, from her fabulous, fabulous book. But out of the gate, what does that even look like, right? And what is it about fear that makes it a better friend than an enemy? Dr. Manley, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Look. Uh, you know, who doesn't want to take this bundle of fear and literally kick it right in the butt? But Absolutely. more importantly, embrace it, right? Hey, let me ask you this question. We're going to talk about your book and much more. I'd like to know for you, you are passionate, you're purposeful, you're well accomplished, you're helping countless people. What is it about this? What are some of the challenges that you personally had to overcome to bring this topic front and center in the forefront of your life? Oh, thank you, Dr. Pat. That really gets to the root of the issue because I think we're always most passionate about something near and dear to our heart, something that we've mm -hmm. experienced personally. And for me, my journey is a journey into fear and then a journey <laughs> out of fear. And what was really interesting as I look back is that it was so unconscious that if you had asked me if I was a person who lived in fear, I would have told you, no, I'm tough, I'm strong, I'm resilient. No, fear doesn't affect me. I'm courageous. But yet when I look back at my journey, I see how much of it was riddled with fear. In fact, when I was very young, grew up in a chaotic, dysfunctional family, and my parents you know, tried to do their best, but they had 10 of us, so sometimes it was the children leading, <laughs> and so, or a bunch of you know, wild children. But in any event, um, somewhere around third grade, a teacher asked me, asked in the class, what would you like to do you know, when you grow up? And for me, I had the image of Lucy in the little shack with Charlie Brown, you know, doing therapy for a nickel a pop, right? That's so compelling to me. And I didn't know why, right? How would a child know that? But that was the journey I wanted. But again, I grew up in a family that was very patriarchal and very Catholic and um, children to be seen and not heard. And so I did my best to be a good girl, a good you know, do the right things. And so as I went to college and my family said, oh, you're too smart to be a therapist. You're too smart to, you know, do the things you want to do. You need to go to law school and be this incredible fiery attorney. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, well, I'll do that. And I, I um, did what I thought I should do. And I went to Hastings in San Francisco, Hastings Law School. And my body was smarter than I was. Wow. And and it became very sick, and I dropped down to about 84 pounds. I was suffering from anorexia. And again, it was my body's way. My body was smarter than I was. And of course, before that time, I had undergone a lot of challenges and difficulties as a young adult. And um, 
still didn't believe, you know, because I was able to make it through each one. I thought, no, this is, you know, I'll power through this. But I left law school and then, as much to my father's dismay particularly, um, enrolled in a master's program to do something for my own heart, which was clinical psychology. And um, I ended up doing a master's program, and the master's program was um, counseling, and so my father was so disappointed, he didn't even come to my graduation, and ultimately Uh, I succumbed hmm. to working in the business environment and working in um, investments, which was very pleasing to my family and very pleasing to my then husband, and um, but I realized I was very exhausted and not at all fulfilled. So everything looked great from the outside, great health, great, you know, everything looked great, but I was suffering. And as I turned 40, something in me said, no more. You have these beautiful children, two young boys who adore you, who look up to you, and you are telling them to live the life of their dreams and to follow their passion, but you are not doing that. And somewhere in that, plus a few other factors, gave me the impetus to speak to my husband and say, hey, honey, I need to go back to school. I'm better, you know, better now than never. And he said, no, 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 you know, I like things the way they are. You're doing an admirable job supporting us. No, no, I like it the way it is. (laughs) Long story short, I went back to school. The marriage dissolved as it needed to. And I had really had to face my fears, fears that I wouldn't be able to make ends meet, fear that I would lose my home, fear that my family would be so disappointed in me, they would disown me, all of those fears, some of which came to pass, many of which didn't. So in my doctoral program, for the first time in my life, I met people who were like me. It felt like family. It felt like Kula. And so I thought, oh, I'm not the ugly duckling. There are people who think like me. Who, who. And so it was only in that environment that I began to realize how much dysfunction I had tolerated how much I had lived a life for others. And that is what, Dr. Pat, that is what led me to want to research fear. Because it was only in that program that I realized that tough, resilient, hardworking me was actually driven for the first four decades of my life by fear. By the fear of, I must do the right thing or else. And it was right for other people. And so I started investigating fear. And as Fortune would have it. I, um, you know, have to do a dissertation in doctoral school. And so I did yeah. a quantitative and qualitative analysis here. I wanted to jump in and understand, is this something unique to Carla Marie? Or is this something that I could help other people with? And lo and behold, I did exhaustive research and came to understand I wasn't alone. And that if I could use my experiences and my research to help other people become free, and I would hope that they could become free without the pain and suffering and turmoil that I had undergone, that I could create sort of guidebook, so to speak, so that for even people who couldn't afford therapy or who wanted a guidebook as they did therapy, they could come to the self-awareness of how to utilize fear, not to stay stuck, not to stay immobilized, but to listen to the other side of fear, what I came to call constructive fear, to transform their lives. And that's my story. Well, I'm so glad you shared that because one of the things that I find is so fascinating is that uh, you and I have very similar pathways, right? 
Um, and it's interesting what happens when we step out and get a clear understanding of not always who we are, but what doesn't work in our lives. You know, mm -hmm. those things that are causing us pain. We're going to take a short break when we come back. We're going to talk about those things that we can see some days, even if the friends, the family, the husbands, the wives, the people around us, the coworkers, whoever they are, think that we've lost our minds. What is it about our journey that is telling us from a place deep, deep inside, honey, you are not crazy. You are inspired. Let's take a short break. When we come back. We're going to talk about joy. We're going to talk about fear. And we're going to talk about what to do about it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Dream on, lie high, and live adventurously on The Laura Meeks Show. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio as host Laura Meeks guides you in finding your unique gifts and bringing them to life. As a certified life coach, speaker, and veteran bomber pilot for the U.S. Air Force, Laura knows how to follow a dream. She is ready to support you so you can dream on, fly high, and live adventurously. For more information on Laura and her work, visit flyhighliving.com. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on transformationtalkradio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit burnbrighttoday.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Yeah. Check us out at drpatshow.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. Are you your story? Or can you change your story? Can you change what you believe to be true about yourself and your circumstances as part of your healing journey? What if you were to change your expectations? What if you were to invite ease and cooperation into every day and then step back and see what happens? It might just be easier. I'm Megan Edge. And I hope that you'll join me on my new radio show, Playing on the Edge, Radical Change with Ease, with my co-host, Dr. Pat, on Transformation Talk Radio. I look forward to seeing you there. Want to find out more about Megan Edge? Visit her website at meganedge.ca.
Golden Otter Divinations Radio, where the metaphysical meets the mainstream with Autumn Seibel. Tune in the first Friday every month at 9 a.m. Pacific as Autumn, educator, health coach, and medium, explores metaphysical and mainstream strategies on how to elevate your level of conscious living. Draw in the abundance that is yours by divine right. For more information about working with Autumn, visit goldenotter.us. That's golden like the precious metal and otter like the precious animal.us. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm so thrilled. Yeah, joy from fear. You can create the life of your dreams by making fear your friend with author Dr. Carla Marie Manley. But more than that, somebody that, as a psychologist, works with people every day, but does it in a way, you know, where you now become an advocate. Because once you look, Right. Once you take a look under the rock and you can get a sense of what really lives there and how they live there and what their purpose is in living there, then that level of understanding opens up a door so that we can step out, as Dr. Manley says, and gets us to the place where fear can become our friend. Because... If we don't, the question then becomes, are we living a lie or are we living free? Uh, Dr. Manley, thank you for joining me here today. And thank you for answering that question. I've been asking that question of people for 15 years. Um, Mm. Consequences like fear, they're kind of, uh, maybe they're cousins, right? The idea of, of having something that butts up right against us and maybe creates this coarse rubbing on our soul to the point where we have reached a tipping point of pain will get us to do something about it. But most of the time, I think when we're at that point, wow, I don't know about you, but I've never been really good at digging myself out. So let's talk about the idea that you discovered on why fear makes a better friend. What I realized, Dr. Pat, was that we live so much in fear. And my research showed that the people who were less aware of fear, it's there. It's there. If you're less aware of it, if you medicate over it, if you sell food over it with substances, right, that you're fear's still there. The anxiety, the depression, the stress, it's still there. But that the people who are willing to look at their fears, people who are willing to embrace them and come to know them, and as you so beautifully said, the idea of looking under the rock, the stuff is still there. Whether you're willing to lift the rock up and investigate <laughs> it or not, it's still there. And sometimes when we don't lift the rock, things fester and they ooze and they become even more powerful. And that's how I break it down into destructive fear, which is what's under the rock that we don't look at, right? Constructive fear, us lifting the rock and looking at the truth, looking at the messages, looking at the power. And then the third component, which is transformational fear, because lifting back the rock creates awareness but it doesn't create necessarily change because we can become aware of dysfunctional patterns, but we sometimes don't yet want to go through the mess and the discomfort and the challenges of creating change. Yet 
have the strength and courage to do that and then are willing to take action, that's where the transformation begins. And so that's that's sort of the method that I work with that we all have fear. It's a part of the human condition and not the fear that's the realistic fear, the fear of getting, you know, bitten by an angry dog or the fear of, um, you know, going down a dark alley at night alone, right? Those are right, right. six years. But what I'm talking about is the realm of what I call irrational fear. And right. fears that often set into the mind, into the psyche early on in life, and then they continue to fester and grow. And the more we have psychic wounds, right, where people break promises or hurt us or call us names, the, the more sensitive we get, the more worried we get, and often the more defended we get. And so that's how I like to look at it. That's the, the, the envelope for working with fear. I hope you I know, answered your question. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and what I love about this is, look, the latest research, I should call it, or study that came out uh, about a month ago, I think it was, was a poll at uh, country by country uh, of w- which country has is is number one for anxiety, and needless to say, we that was us. We right at the top of the anxiety list, and one would think, well, wait a minute, you live in a place where most people have what they need to go to sleep at night, right? They have a roof over their head, right? Most people, I'm not saying everybody, but our country is not known for lack, let's say, not like other countries. But yet, even with all of the baubles and bangles, here we are. We are in a state of constant anxiety. And I want to ask you this, over time, right, this as you call it, a fire-breathing entity, this thing called fear, a fire-breathing entity, have we underestimated it? Because that's the only thing I could think of, and I know I I was reading your book, and I love what you put in here, where you say, wait a minute, fear, that fear thing, way more powerful than any of us gives it credit. Is that why fear wins a lot of times? Do we underestimate it? Uh, I think, Dr. Pat, that it's, it is underestimating it, and it is also ignoring it. Oh. It is also saying we are tough, we are strong, we are independent. Now, here's another piece that I really think comes into it. We are a culture that has a quick, fixed, disposable mentality. And any time in any culture, when you think that you can do a quick fix on something or that you can dispose of something, and we are very much oriented that way. We think we can fix things with a pill, with a shot of vodka, with a beer, with a glass of wine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a piece of it. We also think we can do a quick fix by you have a crying child. Well, given pad put him in front of the movie, you know, calm him down, quiet him down, medicate him. We have so many five, six, seven-year-olds already being medicated. Yeah. And I want to be clear that I am not anti-med. What I am is if 
meds are needed, if psychotropics are needed, as they often are to get somebody stabilized or to help them move forward in life, also, also give the underlying attention to the, the issue to the underlying issue. 57% of people who go in for, for um, medical treatment, I'm sorry, mental health treatment, are given medications without being given psychotherapy. And that is the number of people who are actually going in to receive treatment. Forget all the numbers of the people who aren't getting treatment because they can't afford it or because they're embarrassed, right? So right. 57% of those seeking mental health treatment are given meds, but no therapy, which means I liken it to going into surgery for a bullet wound and the bullet's lodged, and they just stitch you up and say, oh, let's pretend the bullet's not there. We're just going to give you some antibiotics to stitch things up. And so for me, that is one of the reasons. So, yes, we've underestimated fear. We have marginalized fear. We refuse to look at fear because we want to put things over top it. And that's the part where the quick fix mentality also comes in. Um, people aren't reading these days as much, right? Right. And so we just want to gloss over it. We don't want to take the time. And I have so many. In fact, I run a women's group every Thursday night. And one of the women came in uh, last Thursday and she said, I wish you could just give me a magic pill to get over <laughs> my ailments. Right. And yeah. I said, well, even if I had one, even if I could give it to you, if I gave you the pill, you would miss the journey. You would miss the lessons, the lessons that would make you feel stronger and more empowered and able to handle the next challenge. The pill wouldn't do anything for your sense of self-esteem. And I think we forget that in our culture. We forget it in the not-too-distant past. We had rites of passage, rites of passage that allowed people to continually notice their growing courage, their growing strength, growing abilities. We had a much broader community and sense of connection. And I think all of those factors, Dr. Pat, contribute to the increase in depression, stress, anxiety. We also put people, um, you know, face-to-face connection is really marginalized. And so even mm. now, and there's a lot of research on this, where it is um, the fact that just in the last 10 years, we are seeing such a huge increase in youngsters in the last 10 years because of the advent of um, portable technology. Yeah. A lot of it's being attributed to that. So children are getting, yes, a lot of technology, but they're getting less eye contact, less one-on-one connection, and less sleep. 91% yeah. of our older teenagers, 91% are not getting sufficient nightly sleep. And as we know, with teenagers, right, they're not operating sometimes, you know, because they're going through so much change. They're not operating at their best every day in any event. So you give them a deficit of sleep. They're more reactive. They're less focused. They're more prone to anxiety, depression, suicidality. And the the research is so, yes, I agree with you. We are underestimating way too much. Yeah. Yeah. And when we come back, uh, we're going to we're going to do something. Uh, First of all, we've got three copies of Dr. Manley's book. But when we come back, 
We're going to talk about something that she has so brilliantly phrased and is presenting, transformational fear, transformational fear. So I say that, and many of you are like, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I, I get it. Transformational fear. Can we welcome it or do we avoid it? And what is it about this idea of transformational fear that might put you in a place where you literally go after your dreams? Is it a shackle or is it a key to freedom? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What is holding you back from living the life you were meant to live? Why is it vital to believe in something bigger than yourself? Are you in physical or emotional pain? Tune in monthly to Vibrant Purposeful Living. Awaken the vibrant life within you with Lou Paradise and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Lou's passion is to help everyone experience positive solutions for life. Find out more about Lou with Vibrant Purposeful Living at LouParadise.com. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Has your buzz for life buzzed off? Feeling ignored, invisible, and wondering if this is really all there is? The years go by faster as we gain momentum. You're halfway there. Are you gathering speed or puttering out? Hit your stride for the liberating half of life. Comfortable in your skin? You can do better than that. Tune in to Discovering You Again Radio every fourth Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific as host Susan Axelrod encourages listeners to decide what they want, get inspired to action, and face challenges head on. Host Susan Axelrod pulls no punches, encouraging you to grab the brass ring and soar. For more information about Susan, go to www.whatwillyourlegacybe.com. Conscious Confidence Radio, a timeless wisdom with Sarah Main. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and join Sarah on an adventurous journey to the deeper level of meaning to move beyond today's world of constant change, confusion, and uncertainty beyond the shadow of fear. This hit show explores key concepts such as confidence, values, and attitude in a dynamic way. To learn more about Sarah and her work, visit sarahmain.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Pat. For more information about me, certainly go to the drpatshow.com. As I said earlier, we have several copies of this fabulous book, Joy from Fear, Create the Life 
of your dreams by making fear your friend. Uh, Joining me here today, as I said before, is Dr. Carla Marie Manley. And one of the things I know about this, that if you don't make fear your friend or you don't understand how fear shows up and it can literally be transmuted to joy, it is probably going to be one of the most powerful tools or things you can learn. Um, 1-800-930-2819. 1-800-930-2819. like to give her a first copy of the book away. Um, uh, Benny, if we could. Dr. Manley, how can people find out more about you? My website is the easiest place. It's drcarlamanley.com, Carla with a C, Dr. C-A-R-L-A-M-A-N-L-Y.com. Look, so go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say my website has so many free resources, so lots of articles, lots of ways to connect with um, nationwide resources as well. So there's tons of information there. You know, part of what I I think that you and I are doing as we are here, right, and talking about it, um, and I think you say this on your website, you you know, you talk about the fact that that, uh, people that seek help, whether it's psychotherapy or some form of help, help, are often fearful, broken, damaged, defective, you know, feeling alone, bruised, isolated. But more importantly, we're starting to see statistics now about how that manifests in somebody's life. Meaning, you know, it used to be people would say, oh, yeah, they're depressed. And that would be the end of it. Off they would go. But now we're starting to see levels of fear and anxiety that result in record-breaking suicides, record-breaking addictions. I could go on with the record breaking, but one of the things that I love that you talked about in the book was something I learned firsthand was this idea of transformational fear. See, I think that that there's a level of fear that got me through 10 years of a doctoral program, because I don't think that if I didn't have some kind of healthy fear, I'm telling you. I don't have the gene that says spend 10 years on education. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) So what is it that you discovered about this transformational fear? I think when it comes to transformational fear, it is, to me, it is the end-all, be-all in life. It is, how do we, because so many of us wish for a magic wand, a life that is, we wave the magic wand and everything's happy and good. And yes, you have that capacity. Your magic wand is your courage, your determination, your resilience, your self-awareness. And so for those who feel broken, who feel overwhelmed by depression, anxiety, who feel defective, those are all normal human feelings, and we don't need to stay stuck there. What we can do is begin to look at what is holding us back, slowly and steadily look at our fears, 
talk to the fears, and I'm really big on talking to the fears, the fears that tells you, you are not enough. You are not good enough. You are not smart enough. You should stay here. You should stay in a toxic relationship. You should please everyone. You should make everyone happy. You should be doing this. No, that is all destructive fear. And then the constructive fear comes in, and this is the truth. Constructive fear is truth, and constructive fear tells you, you deserve a better life. You are a good person. You are powerful. You are courageous. Yes, transformation is possible. Yes, it will be slow. But yes, if you take one step at a time, if you have courage, if you have faith, if you listen to your gut, then we will be able to slowly transform into that which gives us joy. And that is how transformational fear works. It doesn't ignore the fear. It doesn't keep it under a rock. It opens it up. It increases our self-awareness. It increases our sense of empowerment because the more we act on that which we know is good and true and right for us, the stronger we get. And that's the beauty of transformational fear. It's not just for me. It's not just for Dr. Pat. It's not just for, you know, somebody else. It is for every listener. That's the beauty of it. And one of the things that I want to point to, right, is this word motivator. And, I mean, this is my word for a minute, uh, and I want to just talk to you about it. Sometimes it's hard for us to imagine fear as a great motivator, right? And just like it's, it's hard to imagine anger as a great motivator, but yet we know that there's all energy, it's like all energy. And there is a way that we could approach our life and how we hold fear. We can hold it from a place of this limiting, shackling thing. Or we could talk to you about fear as our friend. And let's talk about what that looks like. Because you said something before, and I want to make sure we cover it. This idea of running away from that which scares us. And it doesn't have to be crazy fear. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm like, uh, I'm afraid of flying, right? I'm never going to get on an airplane. It, it doesn't always have to be that. It could also be different levels of fear. Tell us about this this powerful way to make fear our friend, and what light does that shine on? What shine upon our lives? It's so amazing to me that it's a work in to me, a work in progress for all yeah. of us to make fear your friend. Yeah. And as long as I've been doing this work, one might think, oh, she was never afraid of anything. Absolutely not. It's it's that listening to fear is one of the five basic core emotions and knowing it's there for a reason. And that my work is to know, your work is to know, the listener's work is to know, when is that fear telling me something's truly dangerous and when is it tricking me? When and mm. destructive fear is a huge trickster. And I can take it to a really really recent place in my own life, right? 
as eyes, I'm a fairly introverted person, right? And I have my routine and I have my clients in my office. Well, lo and behold, I write my first book and now I'm doing radio interviews and <laughs> podcasts and speaking at book signings. And I thought, oh goodness, this makes me afraid. I am afraid. I'm not much on public speaking. And then I thought, well, what can I do about this? It's part and parcel. I didn't realize that when I wrote the book, that I didn't think <laughs> far enough ahead about what that meant for going out into the world and really presenting myself. And then I realized, wait a second, I need to prepare and do the work so I can address this fear because I believe in my book, I believe in my message, so I get some butterflies in my stomach. If I go and I speak, I don't think anybody's going to murder me. I'm not really under attack, but my body would tell me that, right? And so I'd do some calming work. I would work with the fear that was trying to scare me. And then I would tell myself, quite literally, the people coming to hear you speak are there because they love you. You are going because you love them and you love your message and you want to share your message. Win-win. Is there really something to be afraid about? Destructive fear pops up. Well, what if you forget what you're talking about? What if people laugh at you? Okay. Well, what if people laugh at me? Yeah. Okay, that's kind of fun. People laugh. That's okay. <laughs> I, could, I could handle that. Well, what if you fall down on the stage? Oh, well, I'll pick myself up and say, wow, won't wear those heels again. Right? <laughs> so that's I right. the worst case scenarios. Talk to myself and lo and behold, I love speaking. I love sharing my message. I do not get butterflies anymore. Because that is my mindset. I use destructive fear. I listened to destructive fear. I listened to it. There was nothing there. Nobody was going to kill me or hurt me. I wasn't an actual threat. I listened to constructive fear, which is said, prepare. You know, you can do this. And then I did the transformational work of showing up and speaking. And that is the work that we can each do every time we feel stressed anxious, worried, right? We can talk to the fear. We can listen if it really has a helpful message. If it doesn't, talk back to it and then move through to the other side. That is how you make fear your friend. You know, let's talk about the alternative for a minute because you've just given us a just a beautiful blueprint. The alternative, if we don't do that, is every day becomes an accumulation of fear-based thoughts, emotions, actions. Because I think one of the, um, I, I think we talked about earlier that we underestimate the power of fear. I think what we underestimate is the cumulative effect of fear. Um, it's one thing, to have an event happen right in your life, right? And, and, and you have that one thing happen, but most of your life is pretty slide and glide. But sometimes there is event after event, large or small. Doesn't the accumulation of, let's just call them fear events. What do you think is the impact of that? Is that the kind of thing that has led us to the high rates of suicide we have, the anxiety levels, 
you know, because is it because we are not doing what we need to do to stay on top of it, so to speak? You know what? I, I mean, look, if you don't brush your teeth, you're not going to have a, a great look in your smile, right? If you don't take care of yourself physically, the body's going to break down. But fear could have multiple effects, correct? You are so on target, Dr. Pat, and the cumulative piece is so critical because when we, let's imagine that I succumbed to the fear that said, oh, no, you have to go on and speak and you have to do this, then that is a ding to my self-confidence. It is a ding to my actual self-esteem. So the next time somebody makes an invitation, I'll cower a little more. And so as I cower and feel less than, I feel less than comfy in my skin, less than comfy in my abilities, I become more comfortable with being strangled by limitations. And you are absolutely right. The more we listen to fear, the more the effects become this cumulative, I like to look at it like a stranglehold. Yeah. And we become less of who we are. We become more riddled with anxiety and stress. And so, of course, for somebody who's really suffering and does not feel supported, suicide may feel like the only way out. And I was talking to a woman the other day, and she said to me, I loved her honesty. It was just brutally honest. And I've heard this before from other clients. I am so used to being anxious. Anxiety is my way of life. Yes. If I give up my anxiety, who will I be? I will mm. have no identity anymore. Mm. And how, and I've heard that from clients who struggle with depression, who struggle with anxiety, who struggle with, with um, cutting, you know, self-mutilation. Yeah that it becomes the identity, which is one of the reasons it's so important in my practice. I really try hard not to diagnose people, to give them a specific diagnosis, right? Because then often you have somebody who thinks that's the label. I am the depressed person. I am the bipolar person. And sometimes oh, we need yeah, to do that. Yeah. But... Guess what? Newsflash, Dr. Manley. Newsflash. It is the reason I did not go down the clinical psychology path. I mean, think about it, what you're talking about, because what you're saying is, and, and I'm so glad you said this, because people with degrees in psychology like you and me, there's this one-size-fits-all mentality of who we are and how we do things. Clearly for you, You've made that adjustment in your book, in your practice, and you've come out and said, wait a minute, there's another way, right? But I want to ask you this question, because that is a bold move for you as a psychologist. What was it that caused you to take that, that approach? Because anybody that is listening to this, whether they know it or not, you and I study volumes of diagnostic <laughs> diagnostics just before we can see a patient. But something happened to you to have you go in a different direction. Tell us about that and the importance of it. What I saw, I look for what's effective, Dr. Pat. 
Mm -hmm. And it's not effective. It is not. And I grew up with a a sister in my family who who she was diagnosed with PTSD. And Mm -hmm. that was her excuse for everything. I have PTSD. That's why I can talk to you this way. I have PTSD. That's why I get to do this. I have PTSD. That's why I get to do that. And we don't, as a society, like to be labeled by our color, by our gender, by all of these things. Why would we want to be labeled? Why would I want, because, because I'm a human being with all of these different characteristics, and all, why would I want somebody to label me as, you are depressed, you are this, because then it puts you into a category, and rather than it being something that happened to you, mm. right? Rather than oh. something that you're able to cope with and and overcome or make mm-hmm. your way through. But for me, that would mean that I would say, oh, I'm an anorexic for all of my life. I am, no, no, I have really healthy eating behaviors. I have worked mm-hmm. really hard to have health, and I have left that diagnosis far, far, far behind me, right? But for people who are given a diagnosis who don't know any better, they may cling to it for dear life, and then it becomes almost a pacifier and a crutch rather than something that's, I love looking at like poison oak, right? Mm -hmm. When we have poison oak, I get it terribly, right? I like to know that that's what I have so I know what what appointment to put on it, right? Right, right, right. For me to know what it is so I can treat it. Other than that, so somebody's coming into me for depression or for anxiety, I don't look and say, oh, this is how you are. You are an anxious person. This is, you're depressed, you're bipolar, you're this, you're that. No, I look at the symptoms. I work with the person as an individual, and we move through it as though it's a terrible case of poison oak that they can accumulate the tools to rid the current symptoms to find out where in the forest of life they're getting in the poison oak and and use that methodology because that works. Wow. That is and, what works. And, and listen, to your credit, and I know we're, oh my God, the hour's like gone already. To your credit, if we don't understand what you and I are talking about right now, we cannot uh, help others unravel what has become a cumulative mystery where there are no clues given to why every day I might wake up and say, look, I can't do that. I'm ADD. Or uh, I mean, because really, this is what the labeling has done. How about understanding that we are perfect and powerful? And even if we have that label, it may turn out to to benefit us. I've shared stories that I found out in my doctoral program, I'm learning different. That's our new term, isn't it, Dr. Manley? Learning different. They used learning. to call us disabled, right? But now we're learning different. Learning different because learning our brains different. are different. And our I have to tell you really quickly, I know we're running yes, out please. of time on, please. on ADD and ADHD. I spent several years working as a, a therapist with juvenile probation. Mm. And not once, but many times, a child was hauled in front of me, and they would say, okay, we think this child, we know this child had ADHD or mm-hmm. ADD. We want your mm-hmm. formal diagnosis. I would get to know the child. I would talk to the child about diet, about home patterns, about what was taking place, and you know what I found across the board? Across
across the board, and I'm not saying that the child didn't have some attention deficit during some hyperactivity. No. I'm saying that didn't exist. That's yep. part and parcel of being an adolescent in many cases. But yep. the children's diets were monster oh. energy drinks, ice cream, pizza, corn dogs, and Frito-Lay potato chips kind of thing. Those were, yep. by and large, the diets. Well, who's not going to be hyperactive on diets like that? And the other thing was that the children also had a deficit of mm. parental contact and way oh. too much interaction with televisions and video games and, and really uh, violent video games. So you imagine you take a kid, you put the child all day in a classroom, a natural setting, right, where the child is forced to sit at a desk. You have the child come home, do homework. Parent comes home, exhausted from work, puts the child in front of the TV or computer, and then is wondering that the child is acting out all over the place. What happened to the days where we played board games, where children went oh. outside and played dodgeball and kicked the can and basketball and got rid of the natural accumulation of energy? So, wow. yes. ADD exists, ADHD exists, and so does the ability to make sure our children are eating right, getting plenty of parental contact, one-on-one play, healthy physical exercise. The statistics on the deficit of exercise and sleep and positive interaction with caregivers, it's astounding. So wow. that's why I try and look beyond the diagnosis to what is going on in the individual. Wow. Will you come back so we can do part two? Will you <laughs> please come to. back so we can do part two? <laughs> Dr. Manley, please give everybody your website again. And also, please tell them how they can get a copy of your book. Okay. Website, Dr. Carla, C-A-R-L-A, Manley, M-A-N-L-Y, dot com, drcarlamanley.com. That's my website. Joy from Fear, my new book, is available at your local bookstore. So if you shop local like I do, check out your local bookstore. Also available on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, Audible, if for those of you who like to read and, and walk, and um, Apple Books. Awesome. Thank you. Real quick, personal message. What would you like to leave us with? I would like to leave listeners with the message that you are not broken. You are not irreparable. That if you're something suffering in any way there is absolutely hope there is absolutely help and love and support available to you if i can change my life so can you all right when we have dr manley back we are going to talk about fear from broken promises what happens when these two people that spent a decade studying put their research together what's going to happen We'll find out. Thank you, Dr. Manley. Thank you, Benny. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. <laughs>